section fourteen of the three impostors by arthur mackin this librivox recording is in the public domain novel of the iron maid i think the most extraordinary event which i can recall took place about five years ago i was then still feeling my way i had declared for business and attended regularly at my office but i had not succeeded in establishing a really profitable connection and consequently i had a good deal of leisure time on my hands i have never thought fit to trouble you with the details of my private life uh, they would be entirely devoid of interest i must briefly say however that i had a numerous circle of acquaintance and was never at a loss as how to spend my evenings i was so fortunate as to have friends in most of the ranks of the social order there is nothing so unfortunate to my mind as a specialized circle wherein a certain round of ideas is continually traversed and retraversed i have always tried to find out new types of persons whose brains contain something fresh to me one may chance to gain information even from the conversation of city men on an omnibus amongst my acquaintance i knew a young doctor who lived in a far outlying suburb and i used often to brave the intolerably slow railway journey to have the pleasure of listening to his talk one night we conversed so eagerly together over our pipes and whisky that the clock passed unnoticed and when i glanced up i realized with a shock that i had just five minutes in which to catch the last train i made a dash for my hat and stick jumped out of the house and down the steps and tore at full speed up the street it was no good however there was a shriek of the engine whistle and i stood there at the station door and saw far on the long dark line of the embankment a red light shine and vanish and a porter came down and shut the door with a bang how far to london i asked him a good nine miles to waterloo bridge and with that he went off before me was the long suburban street its dreary distance marked by rows of twinkling lamps and the air was poisoned by the faint sickly smell of burning bricks it was not a cheerful prospect by any means and i had to walk through nine miles of such streets deserted as those of pompeii i knew pretty well what direction to take so i set out wearily looking at the stretch of lamps vanishing in perspective and as i walked street after street branched off to right and left some far reaching to distances that seemed endless communicating with other systems of thoroughfare and some mere protoplasmic streets beginning in orderly fashion with serried two-storied houses and ending suddenly in waste and pits and rubbish heaps and fields whence the magic had departed i have spoken of systems of thoroughfare and i assure you that walking alone through these silent places i felt fantasy growing on me and some glamour of the infinite there was here i felt an immensity as in the outer void of the universe 
i passed from unknown to unknown my way marked by lamps like stars and on either hand was an unknown world where myriads of men dwelt and slept street leading into street as it seemed to world's end at first the road by which i was travelling was lined with houses of unutterable monotony a wall of grey brick pierced by two stories of windows drawn close to the very pavement but by degrees i noticed an improvement there were gardens and these grew larger the suburban builder began to allow himself a wider scope and for a certain distance each flight of steps was guarded by twin lions of plaster and scents of flowers prevailed over the fume of the heated bricks the road began to climb a hill and looking up a side street i saw the half-moon rise over plain trees and there on the other side was as if a white cloud had fallen and the air around it was sweetened as with incense it was a may tree in full bloom i pressed on stubbornly listening for the wheels and the clatter of some belated hansom but into that land of men who go to the city in the morning and return in the evening the hansom rarely enters and i had resigned myself once more to the walk when i suddenly became aware that someone was advancing to meet me along the sidewalk the man was strolling rather aimlessly and though the time and the place would have allowed an unconventional style of dress he was vested in the ordinary frock coat black tie and silk hat of civilization we met each other under the lamp and as often happens in this great town two casual passengers brought face to face found each in the other an acquaintance mr matthias i think i said quite so and you are frank burton you know you are a man with a christian name so i won't apologize for my familiarity but may i ask where you are going i explained the situation to him saying i had traversed a region as unknown to me as the darkest recesses of africa i think i have only about five miles further i concluded nonsense you must come home with me my house is close by in fact i was just taking my evening walk when we met come along i dare say you will find a makeshift bed easier than a five-mile walk i let him take my arm and lead me along though i was a good deal surprised at so much geniality from a man who was after all a mere casual club acquaintance i suppose i had not spoken to mr matthias half a dozen times he was a man who would sit silent in an armchair for hours neither reading nor smoking but now and again moistening his lips with his tongue and smiling queerly to himself i confess he had never attracted me and on the whole i should have preferred to continue my walk but he took my arm and led me up a side street and stopped at a door in a high wall we passed through the still moonlit garden beneath the black shadow of an old cedar and into an old red brick house with many gables i was tired enough and i sighed with relief as i let myself fall into a great leather armchair you know the infernal grit with which they strew the sidewalk in those suburban districts 
it makes walking a penance and i felt my four-mile tramp had made me more weary than ten miles on an honest country road i looked about the room with some curiosity there was a shaded lamp which threw a circle of brilliant light on a heap of papers lying on an old brass-bound secretaire of the last century but the room was all vague and shadowy and i could only see that it was long and low and that it was filled with indistinct objects which might be furniture mr mathias sat down in a second armchair and looked about him with that odd smile of his he was a queer-looking man clean-shaven and white to the lips i should think his age was something between fifty and sixty now i have got you here he began i must inflict my hobby on you you knew i was a collector oh yes i have devoted many years to collecting curiosities which i think are really curious but we must have a better light he advanced into the middle of the room and lit a lamp which hung from the ceiling and as the bright light flashed around the wick from every corner and space there seemed to start a horror great wooden frames with complicated apparatus of ropes and pulleys stood against the wall a wheel of strange shape had a place beside a thing that looked like a gigantic gridiron little tables glittered with bright steel instruments carelessly put down as if ready for use a screw and vice loomed out casting ugly shadows and in another nook was a saw with cruel jagged teeth yes said mr mathias they are as you suggest instruments of torture of torture and death some many i may say have been used a few are reproductions after ancient examples those knives were used for flaying that frame is a rack and a very fine specimen look at this it comes from venice you see that sort of collar something like a big horseshoe well the patient let us call him sat down quite comfortably and the horseshoe was neatly fitted round his neck then the two ends were joined with a silken band and the executioner began to turn the handle connected with the band the horseshoe contracted very gradually as the band tightened and the turning continued till the man was strangled it all took place quietly in one of those queer garrets under the leads but these things are all european the orientals are of course much more ingenious these are the chinese contrivances you have heard of the heavy death it is my hobby this sort of thing do you know i often sit here hour after hour and meditate over the collection i fancy i see the faces of the men who have suffered faces lean with agony and wet with sweats of death growing distinct out of the gloom and i hear the echoes of their cries for mercy but i must show you my latest acquisition come into the next room i followed mr mathias out the weariness of the walk the late hour and the strangeness of it all made me feel like a man in a dream nothing would have surprised me very much the second room was as the first crowded with ghastly instruments but beneath the lamp was a wooden platform and a figure stood on it 
it was a large statue of a naked woman fashioned in green bronze the arms were stretched out and there was a smile on the lips it might well have been intended for a venus and yet there was about the thing an evil and a deadly look mr mathias looked at it complacently quite a work of art isn't it he said it's made of bronze as you see but it has long had the name of the iron maid i got it from germany and it was only unpacked this afternoon indeed i have not yet had time to open the letter of advice you see that very small knob between the breasts well the victim was bound to the maid the knob was pressed and the arms slowly tightened round the neck you can imagine the result as mr mathias talked he patted the figure affectionately i had turned away for i sickened at the sight of the man and his loathsome treasure there was a slight click of which i took no notice uh, it was not much louder than the tick of a clock and then i heard a sudden whirr the noise of machinery in motion and i faced round i have never forgotten the hideous agony on matthias's face as those relentless arms tightened about his neck there was a wild struggle as of a beast in the toils and then a shriek that ended in a choking groan the whirring noise had suddenly changed into a heavy droning i tore with all my might at the bronze arms and strove to wrench them apart but i could do nothing the head had slowly bent down and the green lips were on the lips of matthias of course i had to attend at the inquest the letter which had accompanied the figure was found unopened on the study table the german firm of dealers cautioned their client to be most careful in touching the iron maid as the machinery had been put in thorough working order for many revolving weeks mr burton delighted dyson by his agreeable conversation diversified by anecdote and interspersed with the narration of singular adventures finally however he vanished as suddenly as he had appeared and on the occasion of his last visit he contrived to loot a copy of his namesake's anatomy dyson considering this violent attack on the rights of property and certain glaring inconsistencies in the talk of his late friend arrived at the conclusion that his stories were fabulous and that the iron maid only existed in the sphere of a decorative imagination End of novel of the iron maid